0: Hello, and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I am really honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, Child and Teen Development Specialist, author and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It is not always easy, but let's do this together. Thank you for taking some time out of your day to spend some time with me. As a parent or a teacher, you may have had moments where children experience overwhelming feelings such as anger, anxiety, or agitation, leading to fitful moments, tantrums, and meltdowns. Don't we all remember those? Who hasn't? Statistics tell us that 20% of young children have tantrums daily. This is normal, and believe me, we've seen it in our own house. And as children get older, some still have trouble dealing with those over-the-top feelings. And let's be honest, at times, these feelings don't just challenge children, they challenge us as adults. Today, we are talking with Dr. Lynn Kenney about how to help children get calm on the spot and develop better tools and strategies for coping with big feelings. Now, Lynn Kenny, PsyD, is a Harvard-trained psychologist, mother of two, an international educator, author, and pediatric psychologist in Scottsdale, Arizona. Dr. Kenny's works include the Social Emotional Literacy Program, Bloom Your Room, Musical Thinking, Bloom Fifty Things to Say, Think and Do with Anxious, Angry, and Over the Top Kids, a great book, and Seventy Play Activities for Better Thinking, Self Regulation, Learning, and Behavior all of which you can find through www.lynkenney.com. That's Lynn with an E. And Kenny also has two E's, K-E-N-N-E-Y. I truly sense a great show today on calming techniques, and remember, while you may not be in the weeds with this particular challenge right now, I imagine you'd agree that feeling prepared feels so much better than scrambling for information. You will likely need to talk to your children about overwhelming feelings. Work with your children on calming techniques, and at some point in the coming months or years, you may see a tantrum or a time when they really need your help. And for those of you who have already been in the thick of it, and believe me, I get that, when it comes to dealing with these overwhelming feelings, anger, tantrums, you may have already had a discussion about this. But remember, it's not one big talk. It's a series of little ones. And so today is about getting those extra nuggets that you may have not used or thought of yet. Lynn Kenny is filled with them. There's so many great tips. And that is why I'm so excited to have you on the show, the very, very fabulous Dr. Lynn Kenny, thank you so much for joining us on How to Talk to Kids About Anything.
1: Oh, Dr. Robin, I'm so happy that we're meeting today and sharing these activities.
0: Parents are really looking for, what do you do in the moment? Mm-hmm. They do. <laughs> That's what the question that we get all the time. And before we get into the meat of the matter, for those of you who haven't had the amazing opportunity to meet you, to read your awesome books to enjoy your curriculum you've been working so hard on or listen to you speak, would you just take a moment to tell us what gets you up in the morning? What do you think about before you sleep at night? What do you dream about? In other words, what are you passionate about, Dr. Lynn?
1: Well, it's a a really great question because I do get up at three or four in the morning in order to get to the work because I'm a mom like you're a mom. And Mm -hmm. when my kids get up, you know, Uh, you know, they're my first priority. Um, So what gets me up in the morning is that we are... The, the research in neuroscience and education is now at a point where we can truly change the trajectory of children's learning and behavior in a matter of moments. Mm-hmm. And so what I get up in the morning to do is write the, I basically translate the neuroscience into activities, and I do this with Wendy Young and Rebecca Camisio. We translate the neuroscience into activities that teachers and parents and clinicians can use in a matter of moments to build more skillful children.
0: Oh, I love that. And it's so useful because it's it's important. And you and I have talked about this before, not only to provide the science, but to provide the know-how. That's what we need in order to use it in our everyday lives. We can't just listen to science and it inspire us inspires us to become better parents. We need the, how do we do it? What do we do in that moment? You're absolutely right. And the most
1: interesting thing is when I travel all over talking and and the thing that people come up to me personally and say the most is, I've been doing some of these strategies for a long time, but I didn't know the justification. Like as oh. an example, deep breathing is thought to be just such a simple act. Mm-hmm. But when you learn about the vagal response, it's it provides justification for all of these interactive um, kind of interventions you've been using based on your own intuition forever. So I really, I love that blending of the science with the, well, what do you say and what
0: do you do? Mm -hmm. What is that vagal response that you just mentioned?
1: Well, you know, I think that there are three underutilized, um, kind of systems in the brain. We talk a lot about executive functions and about the frontal lobe. A lot of people talk about the amygdala, which is one of our actually favorite Mm -hmm. parts of the brain. But there are three systems, the vagal system, vestibular system, and auditory system that are really underutilized as tools for calming and self-regulation. So the vagal system, your vagus nerve is your longest nerve. It actually generates from around your brainstem and it goes throughout your body and touches on many of your organs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, isn't it cool? And it's highly tied to your breathing respiration and heart rate so when you do activities such as yoga or tai chi or really deep diaphragmatic breathing you actually increase your vagal tone and this enhances one central nervous system integration but two self-regulation and calming and the person who has Popularized um, and really written great science about this is called his name is Dr. Stephen Porges P O R G E S.
0: Okay, this is great information, and if anybody wants to look up that more information on that, I'm sure that they will get even more information on the brain. I find it incredibly interesting, and I'm sure after listening to you today, I have no doubt that each and one of every one of us is going to want you to make house calls but you can't, so as parents and teachers, each one of us have dealt with moments where children experience overwhelming feelings. We've dealt with anger, we've dealt with anxiety, we've dealt with agitation, and often leads to those, oh, those fitful moments, those tantrums, even meltdowns. So now that you are here today to help children, and frankly, really, to help us who Mm -hmm. help children, get calm on the spot, develop those better tools those strategies for coping uh, with what you refer to as big feelings. I'd love to start with what are those? What are those big feelings that we're talking about? Well,
1: I think that when our brain is young or developing, often we have really powerful wants, needs, and um, expectations. And we do, often when we're young, you know, maybe 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, mm-hmm. we, don't rec- we don't have the cognitive capacity to recognize that we're having a want, need, or expectation. So we think the world is just going to respond to us as we expect. And then when it doesn't, we actually experience physiologically a sense Mm -hmm. of loss and grief. Isn't that amazing, Dr. Robin? It is amazing. There's research out of UCLA that really shows that your sense of uh, emotional pain or distress actually stimulates some of the same pathways as physical pain. Right. So what we try to what we've got to do is, one, recognize that when a child is having a a tantrum or a fit or being cognitively inflexible or really difficult, that's not a choice. That's a that's a biological, Mm. physiological response. So we can we can um, respond to their reactivity. By using things like words, we can use our body, we can use our tone, we can use predetermined activities. And so we just talk with children about the fact that we all have big feelings. The thing is, we want to have the skills to cope with our big feelings in a way that continues to keep us calm and connected with ourself and with
0: others. So I just want to underscore that you are saying, and we've heard this before, but it's really important to underscore that when children are having that tantrum, when they are melting down, it is not a choice that they are making to make your life harder, to throw themselves on the ground and delay everything that getting to school, delay your shopping in the supermarket. It is actually something that's happening in their bodies that they have no control over in that particular moment until we give them the strategies and ourselves the strategies to help them to calm down. Yeah,
1: I agree. And I love that you keep mentioning ourselves because that's one thing that I focused on more in the last five years is that we the children co-regulate with us Mm. like if we breathe more calmly if we talk more soothingly if we move more slowly they will co-regulate because there's this process in the body called well, it's called entrainment it happens in your vestibular and auditory system but essentially socially we want to be connected and calm we want to be liked these children are not wishing to have a tantrum and throw themselves on the floor that is not a positive outcome for them Mm -hmm. they would rather be more skillful and be able and and to know what to do in the moment in order to feel better themselves having a tantrum doesn't feel good it's not a fun experience for a child
0: so so then what is it in particular that is making the children escalate or melt down is it that that system that you're talking about is it the brain that's triggering something what's what is actually bringing them over the edge there well, that's an excellent, excellent question. So let's let's imagine
1: we've got this picture, and it's all over the internet. It's on my website. It's called Anger Mountain, mm, mm-hmm. and Anger Mountain could be Agitation Mountain, Anxiety Mountain, anything. And it's, and we draw it. We we draw it for the children, or we use the printout, which is free to everybody. And essentially, what happens is. When you're copacetic and you're calm and your body is in equilibrium, it's almost as like your choo-choo train is sitting in the station at the bottom of the mountain and it's just ready to go about its day, you know, in a very natural, happy and um, a calm, balanced way. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that if you have unmet needs, stats, sets, unmet expectations, if you um, are experiencing inattention, impulsivity, fatigue, biological mm, state yes. fatigue, lack of sleep, lack of nutrition, mm-hmm. some sort of trigger, somebody's tone or a past traumatic experience. Right. What they're happens hungry.
0: Is- exactly. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. I love that. Hangry.
0: Yes. I mean, <laughs> we see it in our house. So I what know hangry. Is
1: your train starts to go up the mountain. Mm-hmm. And there are certain, I, I draw it from 1 to 10. And the, if you, you you can usually catch a child before 3 or 4 and help them calm down. And that's where you're going to use your body. You're going to use your tone. You're going to um, use um, sentences that activate the thinker and calm the caveman. But the challenge is that if you don't catch them early enough, if you haven't planned with them and practiced with them, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit, if you haven't prepared and planned to co-recognize the escalation, then often they'll keep going and you'll get triggered and they'll get triggered and everybody will flip over the mountain.
0: Oh, this is great. I think this is something that people will listen to over and over again. uh, Because once you give us the skills and the scripts, these are things that people are going to be able to use right away. So I would love to, to ask you a little bit more about those self-regulation skills. So because you're teaching them how to develop these self-regulation skills, I'm wondering if you can tell us how and why, because people really want to know the how, most importantly, and of course, why you do it.
1: Well, um, this is very important because research over the past 10 years um, has developed this body of literature that has really started to focus more on the importance of self-regulation in early childhood. Mm-hmm. And you know about Castle, which focuses on um, social-emotional skills, mm-hmm. and um, there are some other, CEFL focuses on self-regulation and social-emotional mm-hmm. skills. So there are places that are really focusing on this, and there's some killer research happening. And the bottom line is that what I tell teachers is that while you teachers go to school in order to learn how to teach content to children, be it history, math, um, you know, English, Mm -hmm. there are these pre-skills, Dr. Robin, Mm -hmm. that are not being sufficiently taught that actually are uh, necessary for children to learn and behave well. And those pre-skills have to do with... Some of the cognitive functions are executive functions, specifically attention and um, impulsivity. Mm -hmm. And then these self-regulation skills that have to do with self-control. So self-regulation basically is your ability to manage your energy state in a a specific circumstance, specifically when things are going well or not going well. So self-regulation is really energy management.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And we don't think of it that way. We usually say, well, that child, oh, he's dysregulated. Mm -hmm. Or that kid's always having a tantrum. Mm -hmm. With a lot of attribution, causal attribution, that is like that kid is willfully losing it. No, 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 no. That kid just doesn't have the internal skills. So the really exciting thing, and I think that this is pretty much what I'm dedicating the next 10 years of, of my career to, is teaching parents and teachers and clinicians and children. We actually teach the children these cognitive skills these foundational skills so that we can all learn to be pro-social beings better.
0: Oh, I love it. And I know that in Bloom, which is, and people need to get this, in Bloom, you write about managing the moment. And that's obviously when somebody's going over the top, when they're having the tantrum, when they're really angry. Can you tell us more about that, about managing the moment?
1: Well, you know, I think that before we ever develop skills, we have to have self-awareness and we teach the children and the teachers and the parents, you know, self-awareness skills. So you have basically, if you're going up Anger Mountain or Agitation Mountain or or Anxiety Mountain, there are three moments going up the mountain. There's the moment before you're escalating and that's when you're calm. Maybe you're in the blue zone um, and that's the happy zone Mm -hmm. and things are going well and nothing is triggering you. Then what happens is something triggers you, something makes you think um, in a painful direction or feel in a painful, anxious, upset, angry direction, and then your train or you start to escalate up Anger Mountain. So moment one is this period before, and moment two is when you're in it. Mm. Moment three is actually the most important part, and it's the least talked about. Okay. Moment three is after the escalation when everyone's calm again. Between moment three and the next escalation is all of the time when you use your cognitive skills in this space between you and the child where you say, wow you know Jason that was not so fun you know (sighs) you got really upset because your brother took the computer and you know then everybody was yelling and you were throwing your body on the floor and we were all unhappy that was such an unhappy story for all of us let's work together to rewrite that story so we can have a happier ending next time
0: oh what a beautiful script
1: Yeah, that's where you start teaching them, we're going to plan for this. We're going to preview, meaning we're going to recognize what's going on in your body, what's going on in your face, what's going on in my body, what's going on in my face. So we're going to preview and plan because we know that once we lose it, we're likely to do it again. We're all habitual little Mm -hmm. animals. And then what we're going to do is we're going to make some write down or talk about or draw or sing or make movies about some strategies we can use next time so that I can be your best helper and you can be your brain's best friend.
0: Oh, I love it. And so, because I'm sure people want to know, what are some of those strategies that you can use with the kids in that moment?
1: Well, So in moment, in the moment, moment one, so you're going to use different strategies in different moments. In moment one, you're going to use language that's reflective, that says things like, um, oh, you're playing with your dinosaurs and you're so happy playing with your dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. Hey, can I sit down and play with your dinosaurs? Oh, you know what? I just heard the garage door go up. That could mean that someone else is going to come in and want to play with your dinosaurs. You know, so you're you're using lots of language to describe the environment, talk about the stressors. Um that's what you're doing in moment mm-hmm. one. In moment two, you're, if you're really escalating, if, you're, if you aren't up the mountain yet, if you're kind of at three or four, then you'll say things like, oh, Jonathan, you know, here comes your brother. Remember the last time your brother came? Mm. Everything, we all went up Anger Mountain. We were all upset. So let's use one of our planned strategies, okay? And those planned strategies can be like, remember the last time we talked, we said that you'll put your special dinosaurs on one side of the room and you'll put the dinosaurs that your brother can play with on the other Mm, side of the room. mm -hmm. And then you always ask. You never tell. You say, is this a good time to do that? Mm -hmm. And then you comment on, and I'm talking to like, I swear to gosh, I'm talking to like 24-month-olds. You do not have to, this is language you can use with very young children. Oh, I love that. What's our plan? What are we going to do? How are we going to keep this story on the happy side, not the unhappy side? Mm -hmm. And I I always say, I'll say to, you know, even to my own children, I was like, are we on the happy side right now? Mm, I I feel like we're heading to the unhappy side. Uh What are we going to do? So those are, those are the language-based types of things that you do. And then you keep commenting that you're being your brain's best helper. You're your brain's very best coach. Your body's calm, getting calmer. I'm here to help you. Remember last time we agreed, all of those kinds of sentences.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. And you gave us the idea of what to do once we get over the mountain. And I, I think you're right. People do forget about... That because, as I hear, you, a lot of parents just want to let sleeping dogs lie. They need to recover after what just happened, and they step away and they just say, I'm glad that's over. But what you've said is that it's important to get in there and have the conversation with your child to prepare for the next time, to end, put an ending and a closure on what just happened so that they learn from it, and then they can move forward and start at a point that's different from where they started this time. Is that correct?
1: That's a, that, that's the most brilliant way to look at it because you're actually moving the starting point yes. of the interaction. I adore that concept, and people can visualize that concept. The thing is, sometimes you know when you're when the kids are really escalating, then it's too late to talk with them mm-hmm. um, because all of their endorphins are flowing, and, yes, and you right. know they've got their stress response going. So that's when you want to have pre planned, like vestibular interventions. As an example, if the child isn't responding to your words, which can happen sometimes, mm-hmm. especially if it's a young child, they just start to escalate. Right. And they feel like it's zero to sixty, and things explode quickly. So you can do things, especially they have to be pre-agreed. I think mostly, Mm -hmm. you know, that we agreed that we'd do a big hug, or we agreed Mm -hmm. that we'd do some deep pressure, or we agreed that I'd rub your feet, or we agreed that you'd rub your hands, or we agreed that you would scratch the top of your head because we know that's calming, or we agreed we'd sing our song. Is this a good time for us to sing our song? Okay, Jason, here we go. Stand up. I'm holding you. We're singing our song. Old MacDonald had a arm so y- you can feel like the tension as i'm talking because yes. it's an it's an emergency for it you is. as a parent or a yes. teacher you're like wow we're about to lose it but you can rock swing sway hum mm-hmm. bounce balls we've got a million i mean there's over a hundred activities the key is to choose what matches your child and your environment and keep thinking I'm trying to calm the biological systems of my child I'm not trying to interact with a child who's bad willful and joyfully misbehaving
0: I I think that is so important to again underscore it's not a choice and I also love that it's important to know your child. You know, Every mother, every father knows their child best. And so they know, and the child of course knows what's going to be most calming for them. So it's not a one, one size fits all, but you have so many different strategies that people can use and look into. I was wondering if you would give us the treat to talk about that music carpet ride that yeah. you have because I think people would love to hear that scripting and that tip that you provide in in your work
1: well the music carpet ride is one of the most enjoyed activities for everybody um and it's on my blog it's totally free um it's at com, and you just would search for music carpet ride or dr robin can provide you the link yes. so essentially Remember, we're calming biological systems, so all you do is, and there's even a handout that you could use in your classrooms, all you do is you say to the child, um, and I wouldn't do this in moment one or two, I would do this in moment three, Mm -hmm. because then you have some carryover from, remember when we took the music carpet ride and we closed our eyes and we had that experience? Well, we want that felt sense of calm. We want our body to feel like that now, so let's go back into the ride. So it's, it's something you would do as a preparatory activity or even just a fun activity or something before or in school and all you do is you say you know kids oh may I just caveat this Dr. Robin sure the reason I created this was because I had taken an eight-week course on mindfulness meditation and I really wanted to do it with especially with my impulsive ADHD kids who are like four four to nine years old I thought this would be awesome for them and I tried lots of angles and I really couldn't get a lot of engagement. They didn't have good a visual um, memory, so it was hard for them to imagine the balloon or all these different strategies that they provide in the training. So then I thought, well, almost anybody could close their eyes and ride the music. Mm-hmm. And so that I just want to say that that's why this was created. I love it. Was it was out of a, a need. So you just say, kids... Let's uh, let's all take a music carpet ride, and they're like, "Well, what's that?" And you say, "Well, okay, everybody." And I do this with classes, so mm-hmm. I'm like, I've got my hands moving like I'm. I, I can imagine. Right I feel the teacher. <laughs> I
0: hear the teacher. I see the teacher. <laughs> Love it. And you
1: say, "Okay, right now, here, Jonathan, come here. Here are a few m- music carpets. You pass those out on that side, and you know, Mary, you pass them out on that side. Now, everybody's got a music carpet." And as you sit at your desks, you can put your music carpet right in front of you on your desk. I would like you to close your eyes and imagine that you're going to get on your music carpet. So now we're all going to ride our music carpets in our imaginations through the sky. Now I'm going to make this even easier for you guys. I'm going to put on a beautiful song and that song is gonna go for about three or four minutes so you don't have to worry that it's gonna go forever you can just let yourself fly away on your music carpet and you've only got to do one thing what you do is you close your eyes imagine you're in the sky on your music carpet and as the music goes up you ride the music up and as the music comes down you ride the music down and you can relax because you know, you can just enjoy the ride and it will end in just a few minutes. Is everybody ready? And on the blog post, I actually have the song that I use when I train teachers mm-hmm. and clinicians to do this. But any song that ha- that is very resonant and really beautiful mm-hmm. and goes up and down. And when you do this, Robin, you see beautiful things and you see colors and you see unicorn. Everyone's experience is different. And they love to talk about their experience.
0: Oh. And sometimes they'll be like, oh I can't wait to go on the music carpet ride again. Oh. oh, I bet you they ask their teachers all the time if they can if they have time to be able to go on that music carpet ride. I I think that is so beautiful, Dr. Lynn and I think it's important that we know that yes, you can do it in the classroom, but you could do it in your house. Oh, people do. Yes, you can do it. And you know what I like too is that once you've
1: done it, as you, once you've done it, you've got created this little uh, visual motor memory in a child's brain. So you, let's say you're at, you know, a football game and things are really tense and the child's uncomfortable and it's too noisy. You can say, "Shall we go to the car and take a music carpet ride?" Oh, so once you've done it, you, the music carpet goes everywhere with you.
0: You can it- use it in Walmart. It's it's transportable. I think that's great. Oh, that is beautiful. And I think people can take that and use that right away. Now, you talk about four S's of calming. And I'd love for you to talk about that. What are those four S's?
1: Well, you know, some of this work I think is Harvey Karp's, and I need to take the time to look it up. Um, we've we've adjusted yes. it a little bit, but well, I really...
0: five, I think, typically yeah, so, for, with the baby. So yes. yes, So I loved his work,
1: and I loved Brazelton. I was a developmental pediatric psychologist, um, before I worked with older children, mm-hmm. and what I what we notice with um our children who have self regulation challenges is that there are four things that you can do in just a moment that will activate these other systems like the vagal system auditory vestibular they activate different ones but basically you're activating their you know their neuro their neurological system and those four s's are swaddle sway mm-hmm. swing and sing mm-hmm. so we don't swaddle the older children like we swaddle a baby um, but, but we do take a blanket, mm-hmm. wrap them in something like a burrito. They can call it whatever they want. It's always a cooperative activity, Robin. These are always cooperative activities. Right. They're not, you're looking really stressed. It looks like you need to be wrapped as a burrito. Right. It's not
0: that. It's, <laughs> I don't think that would go over very well. <laughs> there's this regression
1: to the mean where everything turns into punishment. I'm not sure right. why we're like that. Right. But, so it's more like I, you know, what I can see your body moving a lot right now. Are you having? I could when you look down. Do you see your body moving a lot? And they're like, yeah. And it within your body right now. Are you are you feeling like stressed? Or are you feeling like your cells are popping? What's your experience? And these are usually kids I've had this conversation with a little bit before. And they say, you know, yeah, I'm really feeling unra- I'm I'm unraveling. I'm mm-hmm. tired. I didn't eat. My lunch was bad. Mm. And so you can say, well, because. Dr. Robin what usually happens is like you'll have a quiet place in your room and basically or in your home and everyone says go over there and get quiet. And I think that doesn't work until child skillful. I say come over here with me mm. and let's get quiet together. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, so if we know the children have the skills then I can say, "Well, would you like to go over there and listen to, you, to your listening music or do your, you know, yoga mu- mo- yoga moves?" But if they don't have the skills then they come right here. And then I say, for example, with swaddling, sometimes when we when we give our bodies some pressure, some deep touch, the body's able to calm down. And Jonathan, you and I have tried that before. So let's pull out your blanket and see if that will work again. And I've used socks. I mean, it doesn't always have to be like a weighted blanket. I've used socks. I've used hats. You know, just putting the hat over the ears. And mm. basically, you're just providing them a place to come go in. Now, curiously, I have a daughter who's an athlete, and she's tired before she's going to her sports. And I've started a new strategy that I would love to share with you. Oh, please. Just ask her, would you like to close your eyes and go within? Oh, beautiful. Now, she's 16 years old, so she, but she's got to basically, you got to close down the stimulation as the bottom line. So even though it's called swaddling, just look at all the applications. You're basically mm-hmm. trying to get the person to go within so that they can calm their central nervous system. Um, swaying is where, swaying is an entrainment activity, and when we sway, we activate our vestibular system. So basically, I just usually go up to the child, uh, ask if I can hold their hand. I say, may I hold your hand? And then I tell them I'm feeling a little stressed. So you don't have to always work at the target. And I know you know this because you're a clinician. You don't always have to say, well, I see you. You could say, you know, I feel me. Could we sway together? And Mm -hmm. you just simply, you can picture how you sway, Mm -hmm. you know, you can picture London bridges or something Mm -hmm. like that. You just hold. And the key, and we don't have time to talk about quick and slow here today, but another day we might. The key is to go slowly, slowly, mm. slowly. They'll calm down in t- 10 seconds.
0: Oh, so beautiful. I mean, we know we do it with babies, but it's nice that you can also apply the same tip to older children in a different way. Really and you can say, can you,
1: you can ask them to lead you. Mm-hmm. See? You, you'll activate the frontal lobes if you say, you know, can you lead me in some swing? And then if they don't want to touch, that's no problem at all. You know, you can just be mirroring their movement. Um, you can do it with Tai Chi movements, yoga movements. Swinging is going outside on the swing. Um, you know, not many homes have swings inside. But if you go to the park, swimming, swinging is a highly regulating activity. Mm-hmm. There are reasons that children... Who have ne- neurological uniquenesses rock and swing. Right, it's
0: repetitive and, and it's. Oh, I understand it's calming. And also being at the park is probably relaxing and being in nature. So there's a lot of good reasons for that too.
1: And if the stimulation is too much for them, you can bring a light blanket or a sheet and say, "Would you like to, you know, be in a cave while you're swinging mm-hmm. today?" And then slowly the sheet will come away. It depends on how much um, you need to calm the the
0: in the, you know the, the central nervous system input right. the sensory right. input too many too many things happening too much to look at or hear okay
1: and then finally anytime something doesn't work sing
0: mm-hmm. and i
1: learned this from dr ron a you know wonderful developmental pediatrician 20 years ago just start singing mm-hmm. <laughs> and get them to sing and then there's chanting and humming and of course with a 100 activities it would be too many to talk to with you about them all but Um, When things aren't working, just start singing.
0: Oh, it's beautiful. And I think that the kids, once they get these strategies, I imagine that when you are not there to coach them through, they also start to use the strategies on
1: their own. Is that correct? And the most heartwarming part is when they start to help their friends.
0: Oh, beautiful. Absolutely. They they
1: will constantly be like, you know, Jonathan, do you think it's time to,
0: would you like to do some swaying? Would you like to rock a ball? That's I mean, amazing. you know, rock or bounce a ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So uh, I wish we could be here all day with you, but I would love to ask if if there is one piece of advice, one tip, one absolute crucial takeaway that you would want our listeners to use with regard to this topic of on-the-spot calming techniques, even if they did nothing else, what would that one tip be? Well, because children
1: co-regulate, I would say that working on your own calming strategies, having a mantra, I'm very a big fan of mantras, you know, um, my, my child's not trying to make me angry. I'm going to get calm so my child can get calm. So one is have some cognitive thoughts or mantras because they'll drive your behavior. And two is don't feel like you've always got to change or punish or consequence in the moment. Think about getting calm first, and mm-hmm. if if I said always sing, singing's awesome, but if you're out of control, sit down, mm. sit down. <laughs> it's a new S. <laughs> and it's a new. Oh my goodness, you're wonderful. <laughs> sit down and just breathe, and say nothing, and don't freak out. You're changing your level with your child will actually communicate to their brain that they're no longer being threatened. Mm. And as long as you're safe and it's not so far as everyone's hitting and being unsafe, sit down and things change. And in my first book, The Family Coach Method, I have a story about that. Um, so I've been sitting down for a really long time, and it's it's very quick. It's a very quick um, intervention. Oh, I, on the floor,
0: sit on the floor, sit on the floor, <laughs> <laughs> look in their eyes, and, and you can get them right on that person-to-person level. So here's our time for our resource of the week. How can our listeners find out more about you, how you help parents, educators, children succeed in this area? What's the resource of the week for them to, this week?
1: Well, you can go find the Music Carpet Ride. I think you would enjoy them. And we're very invested in, you know, changing the tra- trajectory of education and influencing children in in poverty as well. So there are over 200 free articles, downloads um, all over my website and then Wendy's website has a ton of information too her website is KidLucians
0: right okay and I will obviously be putting these up uh, but Lynn's website is L-Y-N-N-E K-E-N-N-E-Y dot com and KidLucians is awesome as well and we're going to be very excited to interview our friend Wendy soon as well So thank you so much for sharing your time with us today, Dr. Lynn. I could not be more grateful. I know our listeners are extremely excited that you were here and giving them these incredible tips and scripts so that they can go away today and use them right away. Thank you.
1: It's my honor and my pleasure. I hope everybody has a
0: beautiful day. Thank you. Well, I've got my takeaways, and sweet friends, I can't wait to hear about yours. I'll be sharing what I've learned from this podcast with all of you, and I hope that you will share yours with me on Facebook.com slash DrRobinSilverman, Twitter.com slash DrRobin, or on my website, DrRobinSilverman.com. And if you love this podcast like I did, if you got some great tools, some great scripting, I know you did. If you feel really strongly about it, I would love it if you would go up to I iTunes and rate and review this podcast so that other people can learn about Dr. Lynn Kenny, her amazing tips and scripts, and learn about this podcast, listen to it, and become one of our family members. I really hope that you will and I'd appreciate it. That's all the time we have for today. My fellow parents, leaders, and educators, thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on tips, on books, on articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit DrRobinSilverman.com. I look forward to weathering the storms, gathering the tools, and celebrating the sunny side of life together. And remember, even when it seems like nothing is going right, you've got this. You're here, you're getting the information you need we all are and on the days that we fall short and you know we all have them never forget there's always tomorrow parenting is the ultimate do-over I see you I get it and as there are moments when we all doubt our know-how our choices and our sweet sanity please know that you are 10 times the parent you think you are you really are Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.